Welcome to TB Community. My name is Elliot Shibley, and here with me, as always, is the cosmopolitan Robert Domena. Cosmopolitan. Thank you, Elliot, I think. Uh, today's conversation is pretty important to me because it is about my trip to Rome, my experience to Rome, uh, planning the entire thing. Each day was a different neighborhood with different archaeological sites, different attractions, different meals and restaurants. And so this conversation is just going to break down my trip as it happened in chronological order. That And it, hopefully it helps you prepare for your trip to Rome. I think we do a pretty good deep dive of this city, talk about some of the history, uh, the historical significance of some of the places, and, and obviously a bunch of personal experiences of mine. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you have questions about planning your own trip to Rome, feel free to reach out. Before we jump into the conversation, I want to give this travel tip of the week which is buy polyester clothing. It is the way to go, especially if you're just traveling out of a backpack or you don't want to pack a lot of clothing. This stuff is wrinkle-free, it's fast drying, and it's usually lightweight, so it's pretty versatile. You can wear it under stuff, keeps you warm, and so highly recommend it. That's what bring a lot Ellie of and I bring, bring a lot quickly. of deodorant. <laughs> yeah. The good thing is, though, you can wash it in a sink or in a bathtub and then let it dry, and it'll dry pretty quickly. So that's the travel tip. And before uh, we get into the show, check out some of the cool things we offer. The Traveler's Blueprint offers a travel journal and planner that is available for $7.99 on our website. It is a PDF, so you can fill it out online or in paper, and it is completely reusable. We also offer a Become Your Own Travel Agent five-part video tutorial. Part one is navigation, two is booking airfare, three blogs, research, and reviews, four itinerary building, and five safety, cultural norms, and thoughtful travel. You can find that on our website and it is $25. We also offer travel consulting. So for more information on that, go to our website and feel free to send us a DM on social media or an email. Lastly, you can join us and if you want to, you can you can be a part of our Travel Around Table series. That's where we sit down with a group of, of travelers, send us your email with your name, your website, and a few travel-related topics that you enjoy discussing, and we will get back to you. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Bob, welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint podcast. Oh, well, thank you for having me, Elliot. It is a it is an honor to be here today. Uh, Bob, I'm excited to talk to you about your trip. We have been specifically not talking about your trip to Rome, except for a few instances here and there, so we could discuss it on the podcast so it was virgin to my ears. Yeah, and I, I'm ready for that. I'm glad we did it this way, because now you're going to be pleasantly surprised to hear some of the experiences I had during my COVID Rome experience, which was pretty incredible. Um, I think I think we're ready to just jump into it, right? Yeah, let's do it. Well, and just to preface, I did go to Rome maybe four months, five months before we started the podcast. So I'm curious to see how your trip varied from mine. Obviously, COVID is a big thing, but even the little bit of pieces that we talked about already, I'm like, man, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess let me just set the stage here. One, obviously, COVID, jump through hoops. You need to be vaccinated. You need to have a negative test. So if you don't have that, good luck. Um, second, my wife is pregnant. We spent, she, she, we spent a lot of time walking, eating, seeing the sites, a lot of time at the Colosseum, the Vatican. We went down to Pompeii. So we did the major attractions. We checked out some really good restaurants. And so, and then, and then we broke the, the experience up into neighborhoods. So we visited one day would be 
near the Colosseum in Monti, the other day would be camp near Campo dei Fiori, another day in uh, Trastevere, another day out near the Vatican, another day down near Pompeii, and then another day near the Pantheon area. So if you're interested in setting your trip up in a similar way, this could be a really good guide. And obviously I'm biased because I designed this itinerary. I, per I personally think this is a great way to see Rome if you want to break it down into individual neighborhoods and make sure you hit everything. And bonus, if you want the itinerary, shoot us an email and I'll just send it to you. A full Roman itinerary, courtesy of the Traveler's Blueprint Podcast. If you're listening, want to go to Rome, send us an email and the itinerary is yours. So done. Look at that. Let's get into it. All right. So first day we land in Rome and we were staying near the Roman Colosseum. Okay. Oh, wait, so, wait, back up. Did you have sure. to take a test to get to Rome or did you just have to have your vaccine card? We did have to take a test to get to Rome at the time. PCR antigen. <laughs> it was rapid. Okay. So we were leaving for Rome on September, the first few days of September. In August, there were no testing requirements to enter Rome. Then with a few days left in August, they said that you now need a test. We had to scramble and luckily they took the rapid to get the rapid tests. My wife and I both have to get them. My daughter, because she was under the age of six, did not have to get the test to enter Rome. However, all three of us had to get a negative test to go back to the United States. Check the restrictions uh, one month before your trip, three weeks before your trip, a week before your trip, and then two days before your trip. I'm not even kidding. It could change very quickly. All right. And then so, second question before you actually get into the conversation. Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. Did your flights change at all while you were like leading up to the time of departure? Yes. So we had one pretty significant flight change. We were flying from Philadelphia to Rome and then Rome to Philadelphia prior to our departure. Uh, and this ended up being a few months prior to departure. They ended up sending us from Philadelphia all the way to Dallas, Texas, and then from Dallas, Texas to Rome. So it was supposed to be a seven hour flight turned into over uh, about like a 14 hour flight. We scratched that wow. um, and then had the option to fly out of Newark for $1,500 or keep using my points and fly out of JFK for no money at all. So we chose to fly out of JFK and I had three tickets um, with points. We didn't pay for any flights. And then I used chase points to pay for my entire stay for the entire week. So, and we're going to do an episode wow. on points very shortly. We had one full week in, a, in an Airbnb uh, or like a, an apartment building for free, well, with points. And then our flights were also using points. So the entire budget for this trip, trip was only spent on food and alcohol for me because, again, my wife is pregnant. Um, Gia can't drink yet. <clears throat> Gia, no, not, not legally. And so, <laughs> and so uh, food, tours, things like that, transportation, you know, when we were in the city. So, all right. If you're familiar with Rome, uh, you know where the Colosseum is. We stayed a little bit to the east of the Colosseum. So that was our jumping off point. In retrospect, I would not do that. If you're listening to this and you want to stay somewhere in Rome, I think the most central point for the city is somewhere closer to the Pantheon, because then you have access to the, to the Forum and Colosseum to the east, the Vatican to the west, uh, Trastevere to the south. And it's, I think it's more of a central location. 
I, being obsessed with ancient Roman history, wanted to be as close to the Colosseum as possible. And I did see it every day, which I loved. Every day, every morning we'd walk by cool. it, and every evening we would walk by it on the way in. And so I really did enjoy that. Um, but for a for a better, more efficient, I guess, trip, I would think I would go closer to the Pantheon and somewhere maybe south of the Pantheon in the old Jewish ghetto. So um, that is a good area. There's a lot. <clears throat> there's a high density of attractions there. In that central near the Pantheon, yeah. Yeah. I, it's to, to be able to jump around to all the different locations, it minimizes walking. So I had to walk past the Coliseum every day to get to pretty much everything. And again, I liked it, but not, yeah. not, not the best. All right. So day one, we arrive at about 11 in the afternoon, we check in and then we go straight to the Monty neighborhood because this is where there are good restaurants there and it's close to the Coliseum. So with our jet lag, with the long day of travel, we decided just to go into that neighborhood and explore up there a little bit. There are some cool things up there. There's ice cream, obviously. Uh, and so some of the places we went to, Fata Morgana was a place for, for ice cream. And then we personally, we like to spend a lot of time in squares. And I guess this might depend on the type of traveler you are. Given that we had a toddler and my wife was pregnant, a lot of our trip would be spent grabbing food, walking to a central square or bench that had a good look a good view of some kind and sitting relaxing taking in the city that was really most of this trip so we ended up going up to monte exploring those streets there are there's a there's a place called pulp vintage if you want you know like cheap vintage italian clothes and jewelry to check out it could be fun just to to check some of that jewelry out and things like that to get an idea of you know the old style i i have a pre an appreciation for italian style it's a little metro but i do i do like it like it's not i i would like to take on that style i just don't have the time or i don't i, I once it comes down <laughs> to it i'm time. just lazy i'm just lazy to put in that effort um i respect it in a way okay so this day, we went up to the Monty neighborhood, we grabbed some food, and then we we went down to Trajan's Market and Trajan's Column. This, so I, I don't know how many people know this, but that general area is broken up into several forums. Every Roman emperor tried to create their own forum. Trajan, the emperor Trajan, made his forum, but the column is incredibly beautiful. And it's at the end of the forum and um, it depicts a battle. It depicts one of the most important battles that Trajan had dealt with during his time. And as you go up the column, you can actually see the battle play out. Very cool to see. Interesting information back during the Roman times. This was painted intricately and it had gold on it. Now it's obviously a ruin. And another cool thing, there's a staircase, a tiny little staircase in the middle of the column and you can go all the way up to the top. That's they don't want awesome. people to do it anymore, but yeah, you could do that. So a lot of time spent there eating gelato, walking around Trajan's column, seeing the forum, seeing Trajan's market, which again was like his forum where he did the thing that he built to make the people happy and like him. And there was a little piazza right near Trajan's column that we hung out at for a while. And that's where we spent most of the day, ended up getting dinner and then went back for the end of the night. And but just a heads up for this itinerary, because it was COVID, there was we did not do a lot of nightlife. No bars were open. Italy was pretty strict with the COVID pass. And so the only thing you could do at night was sit at a table outside on the sidewalk. You couldn't go sit at the bar. Yeah. Elliot. Question. 
Yeah. With you just mentioned a COVID pass. Yep. Did you have did you have an app? So in Italy, they accepted seeing the hard copy of the CDC card. That's what we used. I bought on Amazon a plastic sleeve for them. Italy has a green pass, but you can only get that if you're if you're a European citizen. Mm. I believe you can download something similar at like a third party app. There's nothing in the United States at the time of this recording that that the our government um, acknowledges. So we took our CDC card and it was accepted everywhere we went and it was hit or miss, you know, like if it was required, some restaurants asked us at the entrance, some waited till we sat down and some just said, do you have it? And we would say yes. And we would like start to go into our bags to get it. And they would say, don't worry about it. Like we believe you. Um, it was, if, if, if you're in any major city in the United States, it was kind of the same. Some people wore masks, some people didn't, uh, but any attraction you had to show the CDC card and you had to wear your mask. So the Coliseum, they the Vatican, digital mandatory. Version, or was it always hard copy? Well, we don't have one. We don't have a digital version. So no, I, don't I mean, like a, a camera, would. like a picture of it. Um, good question. We just showed our hard copies. <clears throat> okay. We just, we just had them with us, with our passports. So I'm not really sure if they would. They might. They might. So that was day one. Day two uh, was the Coliseum. So we spent the morning... We went up to this park near Monty, and we tried to go into the ruins of Nero's house. So there used to Is be the, the Emperor Parco Nero. Del Coyo Polo? Yes. Yeah. So it's right north of the Colosseum. It's an okay, okay park. So there are did homeless people Did you see the parrots? There. No. No, we did not yeah, see parrots. Yeah, we were there. There was a bunch of parrots. No, maybe. Or like parakeets. No. I forget which one it was, but yeah, it was pretty cool. So the, the park was, our experience there was, it was okay. Like... We went early in the morning. There so, was so. some homeless people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the ruins of Nero's house, he built his own uh, house, I guess, there. And then after his reign was over, Trajan actually like built over top of it. But instead of just completely dismantling it, he literally just like built over top of it and never took down that structure. So you can actually go in tunnels and explore it. Now they require hard hats. And at the time we were there, it was closed. I don't know if that was because of COVID and close quarters, but when I looked into it, I was actually pretty excited to go and see it. It, it almost looks like you're going into a mine, but, and because it's underground, the wall, the painted walls are preserved, the tile floors are preserved, and it's supposed to be a pretty neat experience. This is only from what I saw on Google image search and, and actually looking into it. I didn't get to do it, but I think if you're there, yeah, yeah. It, it sounds really cool. I did not actually look into that. We spend most of our time just walking around seeing the sites and not, I think one place we did go in to see catacombs and ruins. But the question mm -hmm. I have for you is with Nero, um, maybe you don't know the answer to this, but I know how much you love Roman history. Was the, Co the Colosseum wasn't there when Nero was emperor? Wasn't it like a lake? Yeah. The, the Colosseum was a lake. <clears throat> the, the Colosseum, I believe, came after Nero. It was developed by what they consider the Flavian dynasty or the Flavian dynasty. So it's three emperors by the last name Flavian. So it was the dad and then I think like the two sons. They were the ones that built it. The real name for the Rome, the Colosseum is the Flavian Amphitheater or the Flavian Amphitheater. Okay. That's the real name. It was a lake. And then they built, there's like a 30 foot concrete ring or that goes around the base of the Colosseum that supports it because it was a wetland. And then they built the Colosseum on top of that. And it existed for the games um, for, for so quite some time. And then there was an earthquake that toppled half of it 
and it's sad. After Rome was toppled, no one really cared about it. The German barbarians obviously didn't want to uh, respect Roman history or culture, so they just let it rot. And I don't know the years, but over the years, more and more people decided that it was important. Um, after the earthquake, I know Rome was essentially a lot of the Roman structures surrounding the Colosseum were built with the rubble of the Colosseum. And then I think it was maybe the Renaissance, like once that era ever started to come about, people started to take or started to consider the importance of the structure. I know it was overgrown with significant vegetation, and then they revitalized it and turned it into the, the landmark it is today. <clears throat> um, cool. Yeah. All right. So, so after Nero's house. So again, we walked around, we got gelato. So I have a toddler. We did a lot of gelato, especially when you're trying to to do museums and things like that. When you're trying to convince a toddler to go into a museum or do boring adult stuff, using gelato as a bribe is very effective. So (laughs) I mean, that would work for me too. Right. (laughs) Right. So we did that. We ended up getting a gelato at a gelateria de Costanza. And I like gelato. I don't, I don't love ice cream. I'm not really even a big dessert guy, but, but this gelato was good. And it's hard to tell the difference. Like part of me was like, all right, is it all the same gelato? (laughs) Is it? Did you you have, you should, you should have brought like briars over. Well, I did do a gelato. I did, I did a dessert dessert tour on the last day and we'll get to that. And it was by far the best gelato. Like the guy knew exactly where to take us. So I, I, by the end of this trip, I knew really good gelato when I had it. So then we do the Colosseum. We, we did a tour with the Colosseum. Absolutely incredible. You walk, the, the way our tour went, we walked into the forum. We did the forum first. Highly recommend mm. doing it this way. Oh, really so you did like out. a combined large tour. Yeah. So you Not started the forum. The Coliseum. No, you start at the forum. And, and at the top of the hill, Palatine Hill, I believe, mm-hmm. is, is the area where the Romans held events and weddings and like really where the most important people in the city gathered. It was beautiful. Yeah, you could see the gardens and the fountains and you had a beautiful view over the hill and that was amazing. And then as you go down, you get more into the common area of the forum. And it was fascinating to me to walk down this forum and knowing that Men like Julius Caesar and Marcus Aurelius walk these same streets. Some of the most significant people in, in world history were have spent time in that same exact area. Kind of blew my mind when you think about it. And just to tie it back to previous episode, the importance of knowing the history makes the trip so much better. So uh, we, we, we spent time there. It was fascinating to see the difference in the modern day street level compared to the historic street level structures like are 10 up. to 15 feet yeah yeah and and the one thing that was preserved were churches because at the fall of the roman empire and the rise of christianity um all most pagan how places of worship were just converted into places of christian worship so a lot of those places were preserved the pantheon being the most iconic uh of those structures so the pantheon was great uh learned a lot um a place where Julius Caesar, oh man, was he murdered there? No. Um, so, so Julius Caesar was murdered and then they, I think they, they cremated him. Oh man, I wish I remembered the history there, but there's something significant in the form of Julius Caesar. So I can't remember it all, you know? Uh, well, they thought, they thought that, um, 
in like 2016, they were fairly certain that he was uh, stabbed at Largo de Torre, Argentina. Hmm. Which is a, in Argentina? Another, no, no, no. Largo de Torre, Argentina, which is, uh, I don't know, like half a mile west. Yeah. It's, it's just well, south of the Pantheon. Yeah, they he was not stabbed in the Senate building. And you can see the view. So uh, on the far end of the, the forum, opposite side of the Colosseum, is a building where the, the Senate gathered. And everybody assumes that he was, because he was murdered by the Senate, that it was in that building. But it was not in that building. But it was, there was something about uh, cremating an emperor that made, that was controversial. I'm going to look it up. Well, and, while you're looking that up, uh, that that area has spectacular views, like you said, just from the, the Palatine. There's the Altar of the Fatherland, which is a massive white marble structure. It is so cool. It's very modern compared to everything else around it, but it still looks extremely royal. Mm -hmm. And something I did after this Roman, the, the forum tour was go online, go on YouTube and start looking at creations of what it used like computer generated yes. images and videos of what it actually looked like because it was brilliantly colored and there was gold everywhere and so i loved it i mean i loved seeing how it looks today and then having it be recreated and what how magnificent this place looked back during rome's prime mm -hmm. um yeah so there is an area where julius caesar was cremated and his ashes were um you know, uh, poured out, scattered. And, okay. and there's a reason that was, that was controversial. Uh, if you're listening to this and you want to comment, um, on Facebook or Instagram, if you have the answer, feel free to, to let us know <laughs> what that is. Yeah. I'm curious so, now. You've yeah. my interest. I, yeah. I don't want to spend too much time reading it and looking into it. So we All need right, to get so, an assistant. To so continue, continue with the forum <clears throat> right. and the Coliseum tour. So we did the forum. Absolutely beautiful. And then we go into the Coliseum and this is like a pretty important moment for me because I've spent so much time really looking into the history. I just find it fascinating. So stepping into the Colosseum through the gate and in like a, a general waiting area. So not quite in the auditorium or the amphitheater area and not quite outside, like kind of under the arches mm -hmm. was pretty cool uh, because you know that how many Romans over the years passed through those same, that same place to go to their seats and watch gladiators fight and watch these incredible events. So standing there and looking up, make sure you look up and, and being there was incredible. We, we checked out the gate of death and then we went, and which is where the gladiators walked through. That's why they call it the mm -hmm. gate of death. And then we went down into the catacombs, not the catacombs, the, 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 the area where they held the animals, the, yeah. the, the arena, the, the basement, the, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The underground. And so we, we, we went under there. We looked at areas where weapons were stored, where the gladiators. Like all the trap doors, yeah, all that where, cool stuff. And so they, they actually recreated one. Uh, I think it was like Boston University or so, it was a college on the East Coast recreated the contraption that would for the trap door and they so they had it all in wood to show what it looked like because they would have these animals and they would release them onto the thing for these spectacular events That's and so awesome. that was neat to see it from that perspective one thing that we learned was i mean obvious that the animals were mistreated but they would keep the tigers and lions starving and then they would tease them with meat right before they would go out and to to, to rile them up but 
um, that didn't always work because you have these tigers and then you've released them in this middle of this empathy there with 50,000 cheering people and they're scared. And so a lot of times the tigers didn't do anything. You know, Gladiator would make you think that they were, they were ferocious and they were attacking. And I'm sure they did in some situations. But from what I understand, from what I was told, they're, they're animals and they were, they were petrified. And so they had to really be prodded into being ferocious and, and really putting on a show for people. I didn't know that. Yeah. Support for the Traveler's Blueprint is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Enjoy 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code TTB at manscaped.com. Do not travel to the Netherlands or anywhere for that matter with untamed nether regions. Elliot and I do not, and we bring this with us on our trips. On the Traveler's Blueprint, we promote concise travel planning, and part of that planning is making sure you pack appropriately. The Lawnmower 4.0 is lightweight, has a travel lock, a light for close shaving, and a battery length that will last long into your trips. You got it. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TTB at manscaped.com. Your, Your balls, balls will, will thank, thank you. you. <laughs> uh, well, they thought they thought that um, in like 2016, they were fairly certain that he was uh, stabbed at Largo de Torre, Argentina. Hmm. Which is a, in Argentina? Another, no, no, no. Largo de Torre, Argentina, which is uh, I don't know, like half a mile west. Yeah, it's, it's just well, south of the Pantheon. Yeah, they he was not stabbed in the Senate building, and you can see the view. So uh, on the far end of the the forum, opposite side of the Colosseum, is a building where the the Senate gathered, and everybody assumes that he was could because he was murdered by the Senate that it was in that building, but it was not in that building. But it was there was something about uh, cremating an emperor that made that was controversial. I'm gonna look it up. Well, and, while you're looking that up, uh, that that area has spectacular views, like you said, just from the the Palatine. There's the Altar of the Fatherland, which is a massive white marble structure. It is so cool. It's very modern compared to everything else around it, but it still looks extremely royal. And something I did after this Roman the the forum tour was go online, go on YouTube, and start looking at creations of what it used like computer generated yes. images and videos of what it actually looked like because it was brilliantly colored and there was gold everywhere and so I loved it I mean I loved seeing how it looks today and then having it be recreated and what how magnificent this place looked back during Rome's prime mm-hmm. um yeah so there is an area where Julius Caesar was cremated and his ashes were um you know, uh, poured out, scattered. And, okay. and there's a reason that was, that was controversial. Uh, if you're listening to this and you want to comment um, on Facebook or Instagram, if you have the answer, feel free to, to let us know <laughs> what that is. Yeah. I'm curious so, now. You've yeah. my interest. I, yeah. I don't want to spend too much time reading it and looking into it. So we All need right, to get so, an assistant. To so continue, continue with the forum <clears throat> right. and the Coliseum tour. So we did the forum. Absolutely beautiful. And then we go into the Coliseum and this is like a pretty important moment for me because I've spent so much time really looking into the history. I just find it fascinating. So stepping into the Colosseum through the gate 
and in like a, a general waiting area. So not quite in the auditorium or the amphitheater area and not quite outside, like kind of under the arches mm-hmm. was pretty cool uh, because you know that how many Romans over the years passed through those same that same place to go to their seats and watch gladiators fight and watch these incredible events. So standing there and looking up, make sure you look up and, and being there was incredible. We, we checked out the gate of death and then we went, and which is where the gladiators walk through. That's why they call it mm-hmm. the gate of death. And then we went down into the catacombs, not the catacombs, the, 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 the area where they held the animals, the, yeah. the, the arena, the, the basement, the, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The underground. And so we, we, we went under there. We looked at areas where weapons were stored, where the gladiators. Like all the trap doors, yeah, all that where, cool stuff. And so they, they actually recreated one. Uh, I think it was like Boston University or it was a college on the East Coast recreated the contraption that would for the trap door. And they so they had it all in wood to show what it looked like because they would have these animals and they would release them onto the thing for these spectacular events. And so that was neat to see it from that perspective. One thing that we learned was, I mean, obvious that the animals were mistreated, but they would keep the tigers and lions starving and then they would tease them with meat right before they would go out and to, to, to rile them up. But um, that didn't always work because you have these tigers and then you've released them in this middle of this empathy there with 50,000 cheering people and they're scared. And so a lot of times the tigers didn't do anything. You know, gladiator would make you think that they were, they were ferocious and they were attacking. And I'm sure they did in some situations, but from what I understand, from what I was told, they're, they're animals and they were, they were petrified. And so they had to really be prodded into being ferocious and, and really putting on a show for people. I didn't know that. Yeah. So can I so, just ask, I, yeah. when we did the Coliseum tour, we did not go underground. So I just want to make it known that there are, there's a, there are several tour options available. And you can do just the Coliseum. There's a very basic tour that you can do where you go through the gate of death and then you just go and walk around. And yeah. you can do it guided or unguided. And I believe your recommendation is 100% to do it guided because there's so much more information that you'll learn. And you did a lot of research ahead of time, so you didn't necessarily learn more, but the average traveler would. Yeah, and that's something that uh, I think I learned. Yeah, for the, so for the Coliseum, I knew a lot just because it was a hobby of mine to, to look into it. But for any ruin type of tour, no matter where that ruin is, I think I would recommend a tour guide just because when you're looking at ruins, it's hard to differentiate if you don't have the eye or the knowledge to do so. And going back you know, to our trip to Machu Picchu, we don't even know what we missed because we didn't have a private guide. We didn't want one. We were kind of, let's do it on our own and figure it out. But there's no picture, plaques. Right. Picture walking through that with someone saying, this is where they did this. This is how they did this. Look at this in relation to this. And and we didn't get that. So no, I do remember standing next <clears throat> to a few groups, English speaking groups that did have a tour guide. And I was like, oh, what are they saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think I think it's worth it for this type of thing, yeah. for historical context. Um, yeah. And, and it was great. It was a great tour. Really liked it. We went up to the to the middle floor, looked down. Our guide told us about where the Senate sat and. Then on towards the top, whatever floor the gift shop is on, you start to get information um, on the Coliseum, talk about its renovation, and then there's these models of it that are beautiful. One of the interesting things is, uh, and I forget the name of the artist who created this giant model, 
at the time of his creating it, they didn't finish excavating the basement. So the basement is still flat. You can't see anything. He didn't make it because because the, they, they didn't even know it was, oh, I mean, wow. they knew it was there, but they didn't know what it looked like yet. And I found that super interesting. That's pretty neat. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I guess I don't need to get into all the, the places we ate for dinner and talk about each restaurant, but I essentially mean, if you, we, if anybody wants to know about that, they can get the itinerary from you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good thing. Cause we don't need to get into, um, everything. I think I can jump into the two restaurants that I think we had two of the best dinners. And I think this was actually the night that we had one of them. So I guess I'll bring it up after the Coliseum tour. We went back to our hotel and then we went back out for dinner. And if you don't know this, dinner really doesn't start until about 7.30 or 8. So you can't eat earlier than that. The only thing that's really open before that are pizza places and like maybe small delis. But if you want to sit down at an actual dinner restaurant, they're just not open. They close at about two or three and they open back up around eight and they're open until, I mean, I, I, I don't know how late they're open, but eight is kind of the earliest and this night we went to uh, La Carbonara in Monte. So this is a place my uncle recommended and he's been traveling to Rome since the 70s. And when he recommends a restaurant in Rome, you kind of take his advice. It was, and we got the La Carbonara. It was incredible. It was so good. And it was like the first meal that kind of blew me away i mean this is only my second day <laughs> in rome <laughs> and so blown away by how good it was how fresh it was we actually tried to go to eat there the first night but at nine and they said no we're too full so then this night we got there at 7 30 as soon as they opened for dinner and got a seat right away and it was great um my wife my what did my wife get my my daughter got gnocchi and which gnocchi. is amazing gnocchi yeah <laughs> Nyaki, my, my South Philly Italian accent might seep through on some of these words here, but a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think my wife might've gotten the La Carbonara too. So incredible. Highly recommend it. Again, La Carbonara in Monte. Um, I, it has like a mil, mil, tons of reviews online. So you'll be able to figure out which, which one that is. And that was that night. Uh, next day. And I should say that <clears throat> the way this itinerary is, it's an extremely packed day followed by an easy day. So it's tour our own time in a neighborhood, tour our own time in a neighborhood. So because we had the tour in the Coliseum, the following day is an easy day at our own pace in the area of the Pantheon. We woke up and headed towards the Pantheon. So we had to again cross from the east side of the Coliseum to the Pantheon area and got to the Pantheon pretty early in the morning. Um, and and got something to eat right near the Pantheon. Now, I know this is like, you don't do it because the restaurants are more expensive and they're never really as good right next to the destination. However, I'd like to counter that by saying, I don't mind paying for the view when I'm in Rome. When in Rome. So- what? <laughs> Everything's a view in Rome. Well- And there are the better views. But, so I, we, could have, we could have probably found somewhere cheaper and better not as close to the Pantheon. We chose to sit at the Pantheon and have our breakfast. We had espresso with a view of the, pan the, the, the facade of the Pantheon, one of the most iconic buildings to ever exist in the world. And so we paid for that. And I think I fully acknowledge that. But so it was just some random place in that square, right where the Pantheon is. And it was the first and only breakfast I've ever had looking at the Pantheon. And I don't, well, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, 
so and, and one thing I do want to say that a restaurant that was recommended to us countless times that we didn't get a chance to go to was Ginger Sapori. We tried, it just never fit with where we were and the times that we could have been eating, but it's right near the Pantheon. And so if you're looking for a good lunch spot near the Pantheon, Ginger Sapori is supposed to be pretty, pretty good. Again, my uncle recommended that, but I saw it at other places as well. My uncle's recommendation was if you like lamb, try the roast lamb there or the Corta... Ah. Coratella. It's a mixture of lamb heart, kidney, and lungs. So (laughs) if you're feeling very adventurous, go for it. So um, (laughs) from the Pantheon, so the Pantheon area is where I found the Ferrari store, where I bought my Ferrari hat. Go go Scuderi Ferrari. And then we continued on our way to, I think, my favorite place in Rome for a few reasons, Piazza Novana. Very fun. Oh, Beautiful. And if you don't know the history of Piazza Novana, it was a racetrack. Oh, so it was a racetrack. So it was an oval racetrack that they would race like carriages on. And, yeah. and over the years, it was redeveloped into the oval. So is it different or was it around the same time as Circus Maximus? Because it's smaller than Circus Maximus. Circus Maximus was the one at the base of the forum, right? Yes. Yeah. I don't know if it's at the same time, probably, right? I, um, good question. I don't the Circus know. Maximus is now just grass and sand. Nope, not anymore. It is a horse track now. There when were horses on there. And it, they're still like redoing it. But when we went there, they had music and there were people riding horses. It really? was this whole, yeah, event area. Yep. Yeah. And they just, I know it was like recent. So probably within just in the past few years, when did you go to Rome? What year was that? April, 2018. 2018. So yeah, probably just maybe two years, a year ago, somewhere in there, but um, they excavated it out and they, they're like redoing the surface. Wow. Um, that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And so Piazza Novana was incredible. I think part of it was because I had a toddler, so she was allowed to like run and I could just run with her. And it was a place for her to stretch her legs after being in a stroller, sitting in museums and all that stuff. My wife was able to sit down and relax and just like watch us run. My daughter was chasing like pigeons and stuff. And the settings, there's live music. There's tons of uh, restaurants for good espresso. We we were just- Amazing people watching. Oh yeah, great. little vendors and stuff like that and then the fountains themselves the one in the middle is by the artist Bernini probably I've heard I heard Bernini's name more times on this trip than I ever have in my entire life and it sparked this new interest in in looking into his work he was obviously an incredible sculptor that fountain he he's responsible for and I think it depicts Neptune and then each so it's Neptune in the middle and then each statue represents a river so Neptune is the god of water or the god of the sea, something like that. He controls water. And at the time of that construction, the Roman Empire only knew about four continents. So they didn't know Australia existed. Um, and so each statue has a different animal, has a man wrestling or handling a different animal, representing a different continent. So you have the, it was the, the Nile River, and there's a crocodile. Oh, no, no, it was, I think it was the Amazon River and it was a crocodile, but Bernini never saw what a crocodile looked like. 
no one knew. They just kind of, it was described to him. <laughs> and so it's the weirdest looking crocodile <laughs> you'll ever see. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, man, I wish I had a better memory, huh? Bernini statue, uh, Piazza, Novana. Uh, and so, yeah, so it's the Fountain of the Four Rivers. And each one symbolizes the river. And let's see here. Um, oh man, where is the, the rivers? Okay, so we have the Nile River in Africa. We have the Ganges River in Asia, the Danube River in Europe, and the Rio de la Plata in the Americas. And, and those are the four rivers they represent. And there's an animal symbolizing each river on the statue. Super cool. Really like it. Again, you know, having that information and seeing the fountain and knowing what it represents really enhances the experience. You can either do that through a tour. One thing that I did before I went to Rome, I had, I listed out every major site I was going to see. Pantheon, Trevi Fountain, uh, Piazza Novana. And I just did like 10 minute YouTube videos on all of them. And so I had a baseline information on every single site. Um, not a deep dive, but just made time over the course of a month when I had free time, uh, history of Trevi Fountain. Watched a 10 minute video. And if I was satisfied, I moved on. Or if I wanted to know a little bit more, I watched another one. And again, and then, and then I went in with a baseline history lesson. So uh, from there, we went to Trevi Fountain. Awesome fountain, blown away by the size, magnificent. Huge the most massive fountain I've ever seen. Really cool. Again, used to be a, it's an aquifer and it was when after the fall of Rome, it just sat, it was like at a trickle and it took them forever to figure out and give away who was going to design the fountain. And I might, I think it might be, I think it might be my guy Bernini. Who, <laughs> um, and this depicts again, Neptune. So Nicholas Salvi was ultimately rewarded the project by the Pope. So Neptune is the big guy right in the middle. And then there's a woman holding a cornucopia, which represents surplus, which water provides. And then there was another, I think there's another statue with like a woman and a snake. And I, and I do forget what that one represents, <clears throat> but check it out. Awesome. Uh, we spent, we spent, because of COVID, not very crowded. We sat right in front and just sat there. And, I was going to ask, yeah, if you if you go on Street View right now, uh -huh. on Google Maps, it is mostly masked travelers, and it Ooh, is empty. Yeah, it's so, not not empty, but like when I was there, it was people backed up to the walls of the buildings. No, we didn't have that experience at all. We there's the stairs to go right down into it. Yeah. So we walked right down the stairs and grabbed a seat and plopped our butts and looked at the fountain. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Not even well, I guess close. it depends on which street view you get because the one I have is packed and there's no one. It depends on which little circle you drop the yeah. Google Earth guy into. But no, we got right in there. Oh, no, um, I'm, on, I'm on street view. Not oh, one of the street? circles. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. 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 No, we were able to get right in there. It was crowded. It was probably one of the most crowded areas only because of the, the design of the square is very compact. And it's such a, you know, hot spot for tourists that I think by default, it's going to feel crowded. It's always going to be crowded, but yeah. 
I got the impression that it was not nearly as crowded as it, as it would be. And we heard multiple times that um, the Coliseum was empty, the Forum was empty, everything was was way less crowded than it normally was, which <clears throat> really makes you feel for the tour companies that we strive to support in the podcast and obviously during our travels, but you can't help but, uh, I don't know, you'd be appreciative that you get to see things without the flurry of people. It's a weird um, catch-22, is that the right word for it? So yeah. Um, one thing I do want to add, so after the Cherry Fountain, we went to this pizza place. Okay. It was phenomenal. Piccolo Buco. It's near Chevy Fountain. I'm going to say it again. Piccolo Buco. The pizza was so good. Uh, I think the best pizza we had on our trip. Highly recommend it. Um, it's like these little small pies, tons of different options. Super good. Definitely go there. I'm going to I'm going to add a, a restaurant here. Okay. Because yeah, yeah. this is like a super Italian thing to do and it is an amazing little hole in the wall. Uh-huh. It's called Pane e Salame. It, I think that mm. translates to bread and meat. Bread and meat. Yeah, it is it is honestly just like a narrow strip. There are curing meats all in there. It is an experience. You get a, basically a huge charcuterie board of meats and cheeses, and you can pair it with Italian wines. Oh. And then they have this, like they're seating on, it, it feels more of like a dive bar than this charcuterie fancy ass restaurant. And I, this was with my mom. It was just her and I, and we went there. I have a picture. It is this massive cheese board with all of these different Italian meats. And then we have wine sitting on the wall in one of those little holders. It was a fantastic experience. That sounds it. That's one thing that I didn't do as much as I wanted to, like eat prosciutto and prosciutto, prosciutto. And that's the South, the South, South Philly guys say prosciutto or South Philly people say prosciutto. Um, I didn't eat it as much as I wanted to. I ended up buying some, but because my wife like can't eat it because she's pregnant, I guess I didn't do it as much as I would have during, you know, different circumstance. So, um, all right. So we went to the Spanish steps and then we went to a toy store <laughs> just again, like, you know, when you're with a toddler, you need to figure out ways to keep them keep them satisfied a lot of time in the stroller for her so in order to even it out we took her to a toy store gave her the option to buy a toy it was called pinocchio toy store which i thought was pretty cool (laughs) and and then we moved on that night uh we just we went with more pasta and wine and and then we headed back to the room so uh the next day the next day was long we went to pompeii now we were still a little messed up we were still a little messed up from the sleep schedule being in Europe with the toddler. We didn't get a lot of sleep and we had to wake up at 5.30. We woke up at 5.30. We got to term, Roma Termini Station. And then we, and I had the tickets booked in advance to Naples. So you go down to Centrale Station in Naples and then you need to take the the regional train. It's called the Circum Circumvesuviana. Is the train that will take you from Naples to Pompeii, to the gates of Pompeii. So that's the way to do it. You can also take a cab or whatever, but that's the cheapest way to do it. So we get down to Pompeii and it's a hot day. Huge, huge uh, archeological site, beautiful. We had a tour guide, highly recommend that. Um, Ran into some issues with the toddler. 
this is probably she was incredibly well behaved like she's very go with the flow really she was she was into it you know she remembered the coliseum when we were walking by she's like daddy can we go in there which is like you know me nerding out like a huge you know proud dad moment like yeah, yeah of course we right. can I'll, yeah <laughs> so i'll take you anywhere you want to go that's a little side tangent but i joked with my wife like i don't know how i'll be ever be able to say no she says daddy i want to go to you know japan or chile it's like i'm going to book a ticket that night so, <laughs> but anyway we we get to pompeii and we have the tour guide and i found it fascinating i didn't realize how well preserved some areas of it would be houses with with the tiles still intact and the paintings on the wall um areas where they were able to recreate the gardens with the same exact plants that were there in the same exact design due to identifying the root systems of those plants during excavation. So wow. we would go into a courtyard of a home and there would be a spiral design of shrubs. And they would say that yet yeah, when they excavated, the roots were still there in place and they, they just recreated it exactly what, you know, how it looked back then. And because we were with a tour, we were given information on, you know, where the brothel was. And there was like a carved penis above the doorway. Probably never would have noticed that, but we figured that's out. That's where it were, was. Um, and they called prostitutes Lupe's, Lupa or Lupe. So this is a little interesting fact. So do you know the Romulus and Remus story of Rome? Mm -hmm. So they're, they were born of the demigod. Um, they were thrown away in, into the river. And they were raised by the she-wolf Lupa yeah. or Lupe, I think Lupa. So that's it, it, synonymous. I think that's just a translation in from Latin to wolf. Well, it's also a synonymous with prostitute. So I don't know. That's, that's the least what our guy told us. But right. yeah, it, it was incredible. If you like history, we, we were brought to the forum. We were shown different rooms. The one thing that I was surprised to see was that there weren't as many castings of human remains as that I expected there to be. There was only two. Is that, I think we talked about this. Didn't mm -hmm. they taken a lot of them out to study? To or museums? still uncovered? Yeah. No, I want to say, uh, I want to say like they might have a lot of them in Milan or some museum somewhere, maybe in Naples, actually. Maybe they have them in a museum in Naples, but okay. there just weren't a lot. There were, I think there were two uh, there was a casting of a dog, I believe. And then there was like a ton of pottery. Um, we saw the forum. We learned about the stormwater management system and sanitary water, just flushing you know, down the streets. And because the sanitary would flush down the streets, they would have these giant stones in the middle of the streets raised above the actual street level. So they were stepping stones, like literal stepping stones. So you didn't have to walk into the, the water as it went through the streets. The, the sewage river. The sewage river, which was also a street for them. I mean, most of Europe for how long? So very cool. Uh, but again, it, a pretty long day. I want to say it took us like two hours to get down to Pompeii. We spent most of the afternoon there. And, and then we ended up going back to Naples. We didn't really have a lot of time there. We just grabbed a slice of pizza in Naples and went back into the train station and then went back to... <clears throat> back to Rome and let's see we got back to Rome and we I, th I don't think it was very eventful we, we just went out to dinner and and called it a night 
And, you know, again, two reasons we didn't have eventful evenings. One, COVID. Two, when you're the toddler and you have her out all day, the nights are just not very eventful. <laughs> you go to bed early, but you wake up early and you get to see sights way earlier than most people wake up, you know, when you're up at 6 a.m. Well, I found that Europeans tend to get up a little later because they have dinner so late. They just have like shifted their entire bracket. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. When we would get up and we would go grab our coffees in the morning we would walk by the coliseum and no one was out yet yeah it, the only people out were like the, the you like have it to yourself the vendors they were setting up their shops you would see the truck drivers making deliveries it was pretty cool pretty All cool. Right. yeah so the next day now we have after a tour day we have a neighborhood day and this was i think my favorite neighborhood day so Trastevere, Trastevere, it's on the other side of the river. Now, historically, like this was the area that um, I think was more of like the, the ghetto area, the, the place where the lower class people lived because they weren't in the main Roman, they weren't in the main area of Rome, they were on the opposite side of the river, so they were like kind of looked down upon. Hmm. It had very Brooklyn-y, hipster-y vibes. So lots of spray paint on the walls. There's a, a college nearby, a, an English-speaking one, because tons of English-speaking college kids. The most English-speaking people we encountered were here, all with backpacks walking around Rome, or walking around the neighborhood. Um, and great food, you know? What comes with hipsters is good coffee and good restaurants. So it's true. we We're ended up going to this neighborhood. Yeah, we walked, well, we got a ride there, but somewhere that we, we walked back through was the Ponte, Garbaldi Bridge, pretty nice. And and then we straight to Piazza Santa Maria um, and, and saw the Basilica di Santa Maria there. One thing that I did learn in Rome, and this is essentially quoting my uncle, if you see a church and it looks nice on the outside, go inside because chances <laughs> are it's even better on the inside. And, and we took lucky, that advice. If you get yeah. lucky, there'll be a choir. Yeah, yeah, you know, we didn't get lucky in that regard. So, oh, we got lucky no. once and it was magical. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that, that would be amazing. Um, and so, all of those churches are designed to be a, acoustically like yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 was, I was blown away by the churches, obviously, and we're going to get to it. The Vatican was amazing, but every little church has a significant history to it. Um, and you know, any church in Rome has better artwork than like any normal basic church in Rome has significantly better artwork than like the best churches in the United States. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know? hey, New York has some pretty phenomenal churches. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I did say is I've always wanted to like just do a Christian church, church tour of New York City just to just for the historical purposes and, and to churches, I mean, tend to have such amazing architecture. Oh, so, yeah. Where we went for lunch, I do not want to miss, is is Trapezino Pizza. Um, I know some people are familiar with Trapezino and Supli. I was not going into Rome. How are you? Do you know what they are? No. So uh, Trapezino is like this triangle folded piece of dough, and it was stuffed with whatever you ordered. So mine ended up being like an eggplant pizza, and my wife's had like, it was buffalo mozzarella, and she ended up like, there was like anchovies on it, but she didn't like anchovies. I don't know why she got it. So we picked those out, but it was like, it was like buffalo mozzarella. Like, and you hold it sort of like an ice cream cone. Like that's sort of how the dough is formed and it's stuffed. 
And so that's what Trapezino is. And then that sounds soup. awesome. Oh, dude. So wait, good. so it's like a, it's a pizza ice cream? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. What? Yeah. It, it's incredible. Tell about this. Yeah. And so, it's like your two favorite things in the world. So Trapezino. And so the other thing we had there was souple. And souple are these little, do you know, do you know what that is? Nope. These fried balls of uh, sauce and rice and like meat. Oh, and it sounds so like an arancini. They're they're packed, yeah, yeah. But I think arancini doesn't have meat, right? Yeah. Or do they have meat? <clears throat> they they're do. usually like rice, cheese, sometimes ham, and then like a panko crust. So that's my wife said the same exact thing. Um, really good. And if like you're walking around a lot, you can just grab these little fried souply balls and just you know get carb up and and keep your energy levels high. Literally, or, literally, or there is when you type in arancini versus souply is the first thing that pops up. Mm-hmm. So they are different, but yeah. I'm not. I mean, you'll have to figure it out on your own. <laughs> so this was this is a jam day here. So I just I'm looking at the itinerary right now. <clears throat> we went to two places that were absolutely incredible and that like no tourists go to. The first one was Villa Farnesian Far. Farnesina. So this is was a Renaissance villa, and it was home to many incredible frescoes, which by by Raphael. And frescoes are just a type of painting. I learned that on this trip. Um, where Elliot, you're you're typing, you're messing me up. I didn't mean to. I meant to search. (laughs) I'm sorry. So, So this the. The villa was beautiful. The paintings were were fascinating. They had great plaques in each room that gave you a background of the painting and the room you were in. Um, a, a really cool way to get outside of the major attractions of Rome and go see a neighborhood that not as many, I don't want to say no one sees, but not as many people see and get the insight on the paintings. Well worth it. And then from there, well, we went I, to the, I want to contribute yeah. to that because sure, one of the yeah. things that I wish I had done and I was really excited to do, we just ran out of time, mm-hmm. was the Villa Borghese, which is north of the Spanish Steps, and it is, and it's like right next to the Piazza del Popolo. Yeah, huge villa with incredible gardens, and as a urban planner and landscape architect, mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen those. Um, but it is, I think it is one of those, it's it's vast and it's in the middle of Rome. Yeah, that's, so I, I saw that one too. We didn't get to go to that one, but what we did after this Villa Farnesina is the Orto Bontanico. And they had about 7,000 okay. different plant species. This place, we ended up spending hours here. We walked around the entire thing. They have beautiful fountains. They have this butterfly house, which my daughter loved. Like they're landing on us, landing on her, landing on my wife. Um, We walked this thing for hours and it's, it's very hilly. There are little streams in it. They have a bamboo forest. It was so beautiful and such a unique way to get off of the, the, the main track of Rome and see something again that not many people see. Now, our plan was to take that up to the eighth hill of Rome called Giannicolo or Gian, yeah. Giannicolo. Yeah. yeah. And it was closed. Like we could have, so we walked all the way up and the gate to access it was closed oh. because tourism was down. So you had the, they only had one gate to go in and out. So we didn't want to walk all the way back down and all the way back up. So we missed like the sightseeing spot of that hill, but 
we had such a great time in this is this botanical garden that I, I I would recommend it to anyone going there. And again, if you have the time and you're doing Rome in a slower way, where you, again, like we had a whole week in Rome, which I don't think is super common. Most people kind of do a few days on their way to and from other locations. We had the opportunity to get away from the archaeological sites and see this, and it was well worth it. That's pretty so, awesome. Mm-hmm. While you were while you were at the Vatican, I forgot to ask this: Did you spend time in St. Peter's Square? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Vatican's tomorrow, though. We didn't get there yet. Oh, I thought for some yeah. reason I thought that was earlier on. No, I just mentioned it. Um, all right. So then we like, uh, let's see. We I think we just walked back after that. Yeah, we just visited some churches and there was a market that we checked out. Um, and and then we went home. Uh, you know, let me see. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. And I'm glad I didn't forget. Dinner, dinner. We stayed for dinner here and we ended up going to this restaurant called Roma Sparita. Now, this, this restaurant is the location of what Anthony Bourdain called the best cacio e pepe he's ever had in his life. And we walked up again at 7.30, right when they opened, because we need to get back for the toddler to go to bed. And they said, no, sorry, you don't have a reservation. So we walked back and I like took out my phone, like, okay, well, where are we going to go? And then he kind of was like, you know what, like, just come on, hurry up. Um, just grab a seat and he let us in so <laughs> we lucked out so we ended up getting there again 7 30 and i guess before the reservation started to roll in because it was so early or obviously what did the cacio e pepe and it was amazing it came in this crusted parmesan bowl completely made out of parmesan cheese and it was just such a powerful dish like so strong and so good and the texture rich. of the pasta was so amazing oh so rich what's it called and the the name of the restaurant yeah roma sparita and again this is my uncle's recommendation he said that it was anthony bourdain's what anthony bourdain claimed has the best cacio e pepe in the city of rome and we were not disappointed at all. I think if I would recommend anything, it would be to get a, to get a reservation, to make a reservation there. Um, worth it, man. Like, it's just so good. So good. I'm like, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. I would do anything to go back there and get that meal. All right. Well, uh, this just reminded me of it. Yeah. Not related to food, but I know you did a ton of walking. Did you take any cars or any trains within Rome? I know you did your day trip to Pompeii, but did you take any of the metro? So towards the end of, no, not the metro. Towards the end of the week, we would try to cut back on the amount of walking. So instead of walking all the way out from the Colosseum, walking all day and then walking back past the Colosseum, we got the idea to do Ubers if it was far. Okay. So we took an Uber to Trastevere. We took an Uber to the Vatican. And we took an Uber to the Pantheon just to help my wife out, you know, with, with being pregnant. And then we would end up walking back every single night because, you know, it's like a half an hour walk each way yeah. to all those locations longer, 45 minutes to the Vatican. Yeah. On top of walking for six, seven hours, eight hours, and then having to walk back. So yeah. So you never took was. the bus because I, I, the bus system is fairly easy to use from what I remember. We did not, um, but I looked into it. We were ready to. We're, we were pretty prepared to. It was. It's pretty easy to understand the signs if you just spend a little bit of time looking into how to do it. It's not There's very hard for it, I think. 
there's an app and there are youtube videos yeah there's youtube videos too so not out of the question but rome is so walkable that if you have the means and you're physically fit and you could do it go for it and it's the best way to walk off all the food you're going to eat so i I agree the only thing that um is probably outside of the of rome that you may want to take either an uber or the metro is the catacomb of san calisto Hmm. that's like apparently that's like one of the there's a series of catacombs that are like really detailed Mm -hmm. that we did not end up going to but we went to the baths of caracalla which is in that direction which is southeast of circus maximus and coliseum close to where you were staying okay okay yeah there's there was so much to see even on this trip you know we spent a week there and you think that that would be enough but we had to cut out so much. Um, and all right, so that was that night. The next day was our Vatican day. So now we're back to a tour day. We woke up early, grabbed an Uber to the Vatican and arrived at the Vatican, met our tour company and hit hit the streets. Like, and we got to the Vatican and the tour company was like, listen, you're going to see this place like no one, like most people rarely ever get to because there's there's no one here. As we were walking up and standing in certain locations, the guy would say, like, this is normally shoulder to shoulder. And we had, like, you know, an an incredible amount of room. And you were able to push a stroller through. Oh, I pushed a stroller through the whole thing. So it's unbelievable. We get to the Vatican and we do St. Peter's Square. We go into St. Peter's Basilica, which I was blown away by. And I believe, so that spiral structure, and it's not a spiral, but it has the, it's the four pillared structure. Um, What, what is that? Man, so people are probably going to butcher me for not knowing the everything here. Huh? The Saint, four-pillared Saint, structure? So St. Peter's Basilica. I, I believe St. Saint, Saint Peter's there. <laughs> now you're just making stuff up. Um, so yeah, St. Peter's tomb is a site under St. Peter's Basilica. So there's the, yeah, the structure at the front of the building. So is the space like wavy four-pillared structure. So it is the, yeah, I believe it's where, it's, it marks the location of where St. Peter's buried. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you see it? It's no. the black like pillars that are kind of- uh, On which side? Spirally. It's at the front of the, the, the entire thing. We should totally know this right now. If you're listening you to should. this- This is embarrassing. Please, please don't hate us. Um, Fast forward like two minutes. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) I still don't know what you're talking about. We'll just type in St. Peter's Basilica and like Google image search it and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's the like focal point of the entire church. It's the tomb of St. Peter. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. So it it sits over the tomb of St. Peter. And we saw one in France when we were in France. Remember I said this looks exactly like what I saw in the Vatican? Yeah. And it's ex- it's the exact same structure. Well, not the exact same structure. Oh, they, you're talking about on the inside. There's yeah, the yeah, breakdown. Yeah, yeah. I was looking on the outside. Oh, 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 oh. So do you remember seeing that in France? Yes. In the Yeah. Yeah. I so, remember seeing it here too. Where? In, in St. Peter's Basilica. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, fascinating. That that <laughs> that was that was incredible. Uh, one thing I learned that like the 
where you, depending on where you stood within St. Peter's Basilica, you would get different perspectives of the ceiling paintings, the columns would change in length, and it was really cool to, to change your location and move around and then look back up at the ceiling and see, see how the paintings shifted. So really neat there. Then we went into, um, we did the Vatican Museum, and of course we did the Sistine Chapel, mind-blowing both of them, like the, the Hall of the Maps. Have you, did you, you did the Vatican? Mm -hmm. Did you do the Vatican Museum, the, 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 yeah. that hallway with all the maps? That was so fascinating, hallway. I could have spent a day uh, in there. That's the one thing, like, I, unfortunately, like, we, we just couldn't because of, like, our toddler, you know, it was already, she was in there for four hours. And at that point, it was like, we need, you know, we need to get our food, we need to get her out of there. But if it was just my wife and I, we would have, we had the opportunity to then, with the knowledge we got on the tour, go back and relook at stuff. And I could have spent the entire day here easily. Mm -hmm. um, this is the location that I think I was blown away by the most. I didn't, I didn't go into it knowing too much about what I was going to see. And I purposely did that because I wanted to learn it all there. Um, and it is kind of odd now that I'm saying it out loud, like how long, you know, for me to be at this age and, and travel the way I have and to never have been to the Vatican at Rome. But, you know, that's just how it, how it worked out. Hey, some um, people might not ever go there. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, loved the Vatican, loved everything about it and highly would recommend, recommend a tour for sure. Did oh, you notice the pine so. cones? Either the pine the giant cones or one? the, the, well, there's the pine, giant one in the, the center. Pineapples. Yeah. No, it's the pine cone. It's a giant pine cone. It's like called yeah. the square of the pine cone or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think those represent like wealth and prosperity. Mm. Yeah. And then pineapples too. Pineapples are a very common statue to have just around. Mm. Once you once you notice one, you'll start to notice a lot more. I didn't realize that they were everywhere. I did, we were informed by the tour guide that you could see the different, the markings of different families. So okay. whether it was a painting or, or a sculpture, you would be able to see like the, the, the symbols. Um, one family had bees. And so that was, that was pretty interesting and pretty neat. Uh, and then we just made our way back again, back to, back to where uh, we stayed. Um, yeah, we, we did not do much after that. Um, just had dinner. So, and then we have our last day. And our last day was in the Jewish ghetto neighborhood, aka Campo di Fiore neighborhood. This is a great, this is like, I think the foodie place. Now, <clears throat> I think maybe Trastevere, Trastevere, sorry, might be a runner up to that or maybe be able to compete with that location because they had such great food there. Um, but I think that that neighborhood still isn't getting quite the recognition of this Campo di Fiore. Like this is the traditional foodie spot. And that other location is still sort of on the up and up. When I was looking into Trastevere, like food restaurants on YouTube, people were like, yeah, not that great yet. Like older videos, like they were just several years old were saying, eh, like the food's not that great. But then the more modern videos made it clear that like this is a great spot to go. So anyway. Where is um, Campo di Fiore? In relation it is to... south of the Pantheon, close to the river. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, you got it? Yep. All right. That is this a good morning, area for food. Is it? Yeah. So so this area was in the morning. We went to the Capitoline Museum, the Capitol Museum, and I got to see the statue of Marcus Aurelius. 
uh, if you're listening to this, Favorite. I'm a big Marcus Aurelius fan. Um, love, love his work. Love his book, Meditations. There's a statue of him on a horse outside of the museum. And then when you go inside, you learn that that statue is a duplicate and the real one is tucked away in the building for preservation purposes. Michelangelo designed the base. Yeah. Oh, you can go right up to it. You can go right up to it. Yeah. And it was awesome because, you know, my toddler for most of the trip did not want to take pictures. We'd have to like bribe her, like, you know, smile and and we'll do, you know, we'll get you in gelato. (laughs) And so just to, just to get her to smile and, and be, um, cooperative but for whatever reason like we got into this museum and she wanted a picture with everything and so now I have like a 30 pictures of her in front of every just random statue and I think it was just because she saw so many other people doing the exact thing she was just copying other people standing in front of statues and smiling so it that was works. pretty funny yeah so I have a picture in front of that in front of the Romulus Marimia statue this museum was amazing highly recommend it um oh, like completely worthwhile they have so many statues, sculptures, paintings, multiple floors, um, Renaissance paintings, Baroque paintings. Like this was a place, this is a place that you can spend all day if you're into it. Like if you want to read through things or if you just want to get a very rudimentary uh, experience and like or introduction to Roman sculptures and paintings, like you could just breeze through it too. I think we went somewhere in the middle. We spent a few hours in there, but again, like I could have, if I, (laughs) I would have spent my entire day there. Um, so we did that. Then we walked around and just shoved our faces with everything we could because it was our last day in Rome. Uh, we, we had pizza. (laughs) We went to Emma Pizzeria. Uh, I'm sorry. More pizza. Yeah. We went to this place called Emma Pizzeria, which was like a restaurant, really, really good pizza there. It was, it's South of the Pantheon, right in like the heart of the Campo di Fiore neighborhood. I would recommend going there. Um, and then, and then we went down to, I think we went, oh yeah, wait, no, yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's clicking now. We went, um, we had the pizza and then we had our dessert tour this day. So we met up with our guide and, and he walked up to us because we were the only people on the entire tour. We had a full dessert tour to ourselves. It was us and the guide. Because no one was traveling there, that was it. So we had a personal guide walk us around and take us to get cannolis and pastries and um, tiramisu. Uh, it was it was so good. We went back through the Pantheon area, Nirvana Square. He added history to it. We got history of the desserts and how it related to the history of Rome. And um, and then he took us to this gelato place. And unfortunately. I didn't write it down, um, but the one thing that I found really interesting was, so he said that it was, it was a place that had no preservatives and they were very strict about their ingredients, always minimal ingredients. And one of the things that they had, so every day you would go there and it would be like super unique, you would say. When we went, they had pine tree. And so it was pine tree gelato. And they took the pine trees, the, the, the pine needles, and took the essential oil from the needles and made gelato out of it. And so I ordered it because when in Rome and I, I was that the first time you just said that? <laughs> that was a second. It was a second. Oh. And so, um, and so I, it, it, it tasted like I was eating a pine tree. Like if you want to get an idea of what good? this gelato, t- it was, it was refreshing, but 
odd. Like your like your mouth knew that it was a like a really alien taste. Not alien, but at the same time, you're like, okay, Christmas, like, like familiar, but yeah, am but it I was like I wish to eat it exactly, exactly. So it was a cool thing to try. I don't think I would recommend pine tree gelato, but pretty cool. I mean, you could just cool. get a scoop of it. Yeah, well, that's I think that's that's what I did. Uh, yeah, and so. Um, that was that was that was how we ended that day oh and then the dinner our last dinner was at a restaurant again recommended by my uncle um it made famous by a movie by like a like a 50s italian movie and the restaurant is called gigetto or it's probably gigetto right or gigetto no it's gigetto and they specialize in fried artichoke that is uniquely associated with the jewish roman culture and so that we ordered that as the appetizer and it's this fully breaded like broken out artichoke and you just pick apart the leaves really good and and then we had dinner there ordered i ordered a half a bottle of wine my poor wife had to watch me drink for our last night and run i got you know nice and buzzed (laughs) hey listen when in rome um we had our last walk back walked back past the Colosseum and it ended the night. It was such an incredible week. The next day we woke up and flew home. It was I a week say filled. There, there are two restaurants that we went to in Campo de Fiori as well. Mm, um, the yeah, one, Adam. The one is Piano, Piano Strada, which is modern, newer, very good. But the one that I absolutely loved, it was one of the best meals I had in Rome, was Remessa Roscioli. Mm-hmm. And it is a wine tasting with food not food with a wine pairing that sounds it is, amazing it is an incredible experience you get you can do different options of three glasses five glasses or seven glasses of wine and then you get food to pair with those wines that which sounds incredible. that would have been really really mean of you to do with yeah, Marlia. yeah I, I held back. I held back. I, I couldn't just shovel, you know, uh, not unpasteurized cheese and wine and, you know, cured meats into my mouth and she couldn't, she can't eat that stuff. So yeah. we'll just have to go back, you know, and we are, yeah. we're going to do Italy again, for sure. We need to see the rest of the country. I should say that pre COVID, this was supposed to be a trip that started in Venice, went through Tuscany, through Rome, through Naples and ended in, um, Sorrento for an entire week just down there but because of COVID um, and because my wife became pregnant uh, <laughs> we 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 switched <laughs> we switched it up a little bit, a little easier. <laughs> uh, because yeah so you know because we're having a baby um, because of the travel involved with like a full country trip, it just seemed a little bit easier just to pick one location, stay there and experience it that way. So that just means we're going to have to go back and, and we are, we are. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that was it. So if you're listening to this, um, uh, I hope this helped. I think that this is There's a lot of I, information. Yeah. A lot of information and, and it was broken down by neighborhood. Um, reach out if you have any questions. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Rome, the the travelers. Thank, thank you for uh, divulging your Rome trip to all of us listeners. Anytime, I like this. I like this. It's just you and I. This is this is fun. Yeah, cool. Thanks for listening. That was a lot of listening for me, but 
Very interesting. You had a very similar yet different trip than I did. Yours was much more focused on the history and I, mine was just focused on food and wine. Yeah. Well, it, that was the reason I went was for the history. And then I think I, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, not that I didn't know going into it, that the food was going to be exceptional, but again, yeah, you're right. It wasn't my focus. It wasn't my reason for going there. It was really about the architecture and the history, which were stunning. I think, was it you that said that the, the city is essentially a museum in and of itself? Yep. So I'm very happy to have ticked Rome off my bucket list. Finally, I can't believe it even took this long. And I hope if you listen to this, that you learned something today. Uh, again, reach out if you have any questions on Rome. I feel you know, pretty, pretty able now to talk about it in detail, at least from a traveler's perspective. So looking forward yeah. to hearing from you. If you love the show and you want to support us, you can do so by leaving us a review on whatever platform you listen on, or you can do it financially by buying some stuff from Manscaped. You could do it financially by supporting us on Patreon or going to our merchandise stores, Redbubble and Public, and getting anything that has Traveler's Blueprint logo on it. Tune in next week.